0: With your powers combined, we are FANHOLES! Go, go, go FANHOLES! Fan fan
1: can't believe there's a chat room big enough to hold all of our impressive bodies.
2: Right, <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, of all the things I missed about the show, I miss Tony being wrong always. We've already got a me, we don't need another me!
0: <laughs> oh boy, of the sheer episode!
1: I yes, Derek, lover of lobster women, defender of Starfire's fidelity. I just want to know who is the consultant?
0: He <laughs> <laughs> no! I have no heart! <laughs> Nobody's going to relate to a, a talking cat that eats lasagna. I'll okay. do it, but I want to be immediately killed afterwards.
2: <laughs> Derek, in your Derek lair, do you have a list of, that tells you like how to take down the other fan hole? Should we like, go crazy?
1: How does my stupid... You sound beautiful. Like ten times sexier. Good job. No one gets us, because we don't explain it.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to another whalerific, humpback-tastic episode of Fan Podcast. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and I am not alone. I am joined by two, count them, two of my fellow fan holes their names are not george and gracie though why don't you guys give a shout out and let everyone know who's here tonight
1: hey it's mike hello
2: computer and this is justin
0: yeah so we're here we're here to uh, justin you're gonna have to fill me in what is this the, the let's see what eighty eighty seven? 87 right so it's the thirty thirty fifth 35th anniversary is that what it is
2: 86 but yeah
0: Okay, okay, 86, 35th, 35th anniversary, okay. Wow, I was young when this came out. I mean, I remember seeing it in the theaters, and I got all kinds of stories and stuff, but that, that, 86, so then I would have been, like, maybe eight or nine or something like that. Wow, okay, yeah, so, so this is, this has been a while, but yeah, so, so, uh, we, we've got uh, some talking to do about, if you haven't figured it out, we're, we're here to discuss Star Trek IV the voyage home yeah this is one of our our now patented anniversary shows so yeah i mean this was this was uh the second feature film in the franchise to be helmed and directed by leonard nimoy the majority of the cast returned or at least you know if there are some cast members making you know goodbye cameos and things like that but um yeah the majority of our cast comes back and I guess we don't need to go into a synopsis, but yes, this is the one where they go back in time to get humpback whales to save the universe. So I imagine I, I think we've discussed this enough. I mean, I, I did see this in the theater, but I imagine you guys did not in first encounter this in a movie theater. Negative. And, and and then and then i guess delving deeper than that mike like was this because i know like normally like you you tend to say like you you got into watching the next gen with your dad and stuff like that like is this something that you watched with your dad is it just something you ended up checking out on your own like uh, you know that that kind of thing like how'd you come to star trek four
1: Well, more than any other Star Trek movie, I think this one like repeated on T V like more often than any other one, I feel like, because I mean prior to this I think I've just seen huge swaths of it like on when it was on TV. Like but like if if, if it happened to be on
0: They they wanted them sweet, sweet uh, royalty. Yeah, without,
1: like yeah. A, I I think this might have been the first time I like this week was the first time I watched it all the way from the beginning to the end and one. I'm sitting like because usually i would just like change the channel and i'd be like oh star trek and I was like oh it's the one with the whales like yeah i'll watch it for a little while and then i think i pieced together the entire movie over a course of like a decade or so
0: there you go there's a winning endorsement so what about you justin like how 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 did you come to this this film
2: i watched it not long after it came out on vhs um my uncle ran a video store in the 80s for several years and sometimes we would go and we would get stuff either for free or maybe for discount it just kind of depended on like what kind of mood my uncle was in and i can remember coming home i don't know where i had been but i remember coming home and i remember just seeing like the cassette box laying there and i was like "Ooh, star trek and just sitting down and watching it so i and i think I think the movie came out on VHS a year later because I, I looked it up just to make sure I wasn't like you know crazy or con- conflating things and I think that would have been
0: eighty seven. Cool. So um, yeah, like I, I said, this was this this was something. I mean, I, I I felt like I had strong memories of this, but I I went and fact checked my memories in case I was you know spewing absolute bullshit or whatever, but. My my recollection of this film was much like when we discussed First Contact. Like, not only was this movie a crowd pleaser, and but but similar to First Contact, I'd say this was a big big box office hit. Like, people went and saw this movie two and three and four times. You know, they saw it multiple times in the theaters. There were, you know, I, I think the combination of the, you know lighter humorous aspect after the last two films and the kind of you know like we're saying that the the message about you know save the humpback whales you know save the clock tower marty you know all that shit like the combination of those two things like just it made it something that was really really popular not only with star trek fans not only with science fiction fans not only with moviegoers, but like i felt like you know again this is going to be me telling stories about girls cruiser dave that i liked that liked star trek and i'm not a fucking stalker you know this of course i was nine right so like what my distinct memory about this and I, i told justin about this lady so so he he knows a little bit about it already but remember remember the the girl i told you about where they um gotten to the line to play the the hardball game you know the ball game that we bounced against the wall and it was like sort of like an all guys game at first but she was like the first girl to breach that yeah that that sort of social norm or whatever it was and then before you knew it like all the other girls kind of you know ended up playing as well and then it became like a, a co-ed type recess activity and whatever so so you know anyway this really smart girl was valedictorian of her class like super pretty super beautiful all that stuff way back when you know I'm what like 8 years old or whatever and we all go on the bus to go to school but i i distinctly remember she saw this movie at least twice cuz i remember having that conversation and and again like like the other ladies in my life that ha- showed even a remote interest in Star Trek, I was always kind of like that, that always kind of perked up my dog ears or my antenna or what have you, you know, where I was kind of like, Hey, you know, you got the idea that this movie in particular had a much broader and wider appeal and to, to back myself up, like not just reminiscing and, and pulling this all out of my, you know, my muddled, you know, memories or whatever that, that cannot always be relied on right for accuracy. I went and looked at box office mojo and aside from, you know, uh, uh, sorry haters, but aside from the Abrams films, which are the highest grossing, star trek films probably due to inflation and all this other stuff whatever the excuse is right most of the abrams films are in the top slots but for the longest time and this validates my memory of it for the longest time star trek 4 was the highest grossing star trek movie and first contact tried to take that crown but did not succeed so of of those two do you know what i mean like i, I guess what i'm getting at is of the two that were the most crowd pleasing for the next generation and the original series, it would, it, I mean, in terms of dollars, right? Like worldwide, you know, all time gross, like Star Trek four was up until the Abrams movies, the highest grossing Star Trek film. And, and I, I, to me, I'm like, okay, that well that all lines up in my head, right? Because I, I remember you know, being eight years old, I remember being on the bus. I, I kind of remember thinking, oh, geez, I don't know that I'd watch this movie like two or three times in the theater. But here was this girl that I thought was really smart and really pretty and and watched it more than once. And, you know, that stuck in my head is like, oh, well, this this obviously had an impact on, you know, the greater mass populace or whatever in terms of popularity and a and, uh, 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 love, you know, maybe for the the, the themes and, and and kind of the the tone of the film and everything.
2: Oh so Derek, when we were discussing first contact, you kind of uh talked about how the humor didn't land for you anymore. Like how do you feel about the humor in in this movie? Like do you still chuckle I, at double dumbass and I, Dr. I, I Damian?
0: I laughed at most everything in this film except for uh, remember where we parked because I feel like that was in the trailer and I, I, I think the whole remember where we parked was like something I think that got overused in the promotion maybe so so when 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 he you know when they get off the bird of prey and he's like okay everybody remember when we parked you know like I was just kind of like crickets in in my house right I didn't nobody was laughing nothing was funny or whatever but like I think everything else you know like the double dumbass and 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 do you like italian and all that kind of other stuff <laughs> like like that that kind of you know like like you know yes no yes no no yes yes you know like that because that, they, they they have some good some good timing you know the whole they they get on the bus they get off the bus what the hell's exact change you know like like and 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 check you know like i mean that's that's kind of hilarious like before you even see it on screen right like on paper that's hilarious it's like fucking the height of the fucking cold war and you've got this future russian asking people where you know where is the nuclear vessel you know like that kind of shit so it's like and even i mean the and and i think to, to some degree like I think you have to view this movie in the context of the movies that came before it, too, because, you know, there's no denying like you'll 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 never get me to say, like, I like the voyage home better than I like, you know, Star Trek two or Star Trek three or something like I'm never going to say that. But but the, the the idea is, I mean, if you've had those two movies that are are very serious in tone and, and very intense, right, this has, you know, a worldwide, you know, universal threat and everything. But the, the, the tone of this film, you know, it's 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 intended to be a, a, a comedy, you know, and, and, and it's by intent. And also, I think the fact that, like, you're you're this is this is like, you know, how like sometimes in movies they're super intense and then people crack a joke to break the ice. It's like with the Star Trek films, it's like two and three were both super intense And maybe arguably didn't even have any of those moments to uh, to 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 have a break in the intensity with some humor and some laughs or whatever. So it was almost like you needed this entire movie to. To have that moment within the context of the franchise, but they still have like really nice moments, I think. I mean, maybe I'm a maybe I'm a mark for this type of thing, but like I'm always a mark for the 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 sun, and and uh, mother moments, you know, for Spock and his mom, like in any movies like I even like, you know, I, I understand and like the moments in like the Abrams movie or whatever. But even in this, I mean, the the woman who plays uh, Amanda is not not like the best actress in the world, but like they, they have good moments together and i like i like how it comes full circle at the end you know where he's like tell tell my mother i feel fine you know like so i mean you know there's those things where you um in in addition to being funny it's not just kind of uh crude humor it's like it's it's kind of like the the moments in this movie are not intense, but they're heartfelt, I guess, if that makes sense. And I think people it, 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 that that's more easily palpable to the masses. Right. You're you've, you've got a movie with heart. You've got a movie with humor and you've got, uh, you know, this kind of, you know, action oriented thing. I mean, there's there's moments where maybe you, I still laugh at them. But I mean, you know, arguably it's funny because you, you listen to some of the 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 behind the scenes stuff. And, and they, you know, it's like, oh, Leonard was trying to keep us from going to, you know, Keystone Cops or whatever. And sometimes I'm kind of like, well, I don't know. That he necessarily succeeded, at least, like, in the hospital sequence, right? Because, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of Keystone capers and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, dude, you got to laugh at the fucking old lady. The doctor gave me a pill and I got a new kidney, you know? Like, I mean, that that shit's funny because, like, McCoy's sitting there going, oh, these people are fucking barbaric. Like, what the fuck's the matter with these people? Like, let me, let me hook you up and, and finish this. And, you, you know, what's funny about that is, that, you know, people make all this, like, stinking shit about, uh, you know, oh, changing the timeline and all this stuff, and you know, shouldn't the guys from fucking Star Trek Voyager, the Time Police, show up and like conk them all in the heads and do all this other stuff? But you know, I I started thinking of it like, like, and maybe maybe I've been, you know, semi-infected by by sitting through uh, that that fucking Loki TV series. But I I kind of thought about that moment today, and while while I was laughing about McCoy hooking up the old lady you got to understand, like, that old lady's ripple in the pond, like, it probably didn't make a difference, right? Like, she probably, like, had a bum kidney and lived a little longer and eventually died because she had a bum kidney, but then McCoy gives her a non-bum kidney and she lives a little longer and then she fucking dies, right? Like, I mean, it's not like she was fucking, I don't know, you know, Zefram Cochran or some shit and it totally, like, irrevocably damage the timeline it was like he you know he he, he, i don't know like that that's some of the stuff that i thought of when i was i was sitting there watching this but i mean just to go back to your question i mean does does the humor hold up i mean yeah i think it does i mean i i'm mostly amused by it i think because you know shatner and nimoy have a good interplay there's the aspect that they're in the 20th century they're in you know san francisco in 1986 right so there's the there's the kind of fish out of water type stuff that's funny but then there's also the re of spock and rather than you know i mean because you you could have had that be this really uh dreary realistic type of take on someone being resurrected but i think they knew that that this was something where it's a crowd pleaser, but it's also kind of a palate cleanser type of a film where it's like, okay, you've, you've had all the, the weighty, serious, intense stuff in Rathacon and the search for Spock and all this other stuff. And then you, you kind of need this movie to, to sort of clear some of the decks and they don't, you know, it's like Spock does come back. He does recover, but they don't make it like it, it's, it's more, you know, it's more amusing than anything else. It's not like this, you know, intense kind of, I don't know, like somebody recovering from from, you know, I don't know, breaking their back or losing their legs or, you know, some, something like that, where it's this, you know, kind of very intense, uh, tearful kind of thing. It's more like that they they're getting him back up to speed and and it's it's kind of like you know somebody learning to ride a bike again or something as opposed to this huge kind of intense ordeal or whatever and there's there's some there's you know there's definitely humor to be had in that you know, make your best guess right like and 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 the the thought that he says well what what he's saying is he trusts your best guess than most people's perfect math right and it's like okay you know like there's 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 good moments for the characters in in that uh that kind of exchange i think
2: one of the things i always liked is in the hospital chase like they're fleeing from the cops and they end up knocking over a guy with like a broken leg and crutches and like mccoy takes the time to stop and kind of be like are you okay like you can see him kind of like Try to get the guy back on his feet. Like I, I don't know. I always appreciated that because it seemed like, I mean, it's kind of funny because they're like they're on the run from the cops. And McCoy, McCoy being the doctor, he has to be like, "Oh crap, we 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 ran over this guy on crutches." Like, "Are are you okay, dude?" And then he has to like go back and run away from the cops. Yeah. So, Mike, would you be surprised if we told you that the role of Gillian was originally intended for Eddie Murphy?
1: Yeah, <laughs> i didn't know that <laughs> do
2: you want to get into that derek
0: yeah yeah let's get into that like that that's one of those things we have uh eddie murphy in his purple space jumpsuit or whatever that was going to be training the whales yeah
2: so i guess i guess he was like a big fan of star trek and i i don't know exactly how it came about like i've only read bits and pieces of this over the years but i guess there was one treatment where he he was going to be like a a ufo nut like some kind of professor i okay you know like how the ghostbusters that just started the movie they're like they work at a college but they're kind of seen as like quacks and they end up getting kicked out i think that's what they wanted for eddie murphy like he was going to be he was going to be like a college professor but kind of a quack and then i i think the bird of prey was going to decloak it like a super bowl and everyone was going to be like oh wow look at that like that's amazing but then, it, you know, he was going to be like, well, this isn't a special effect for the Super Bowl. Like this is a, this is a real a real spaceship. But then I guess I don't know what I read said that he eventually ended up taking the role of uh, um, for the golden child. And he mm. he later was like, uh, maybe that wasn't the best shit decision, you know, like I should have stuck with Star Trek. So, I mean, I. It's hard for me to, to imagine, like, what this movie would have been like with, you know, like, Kirk and Spock playing off of, like, you know, Eddie Murphy. I just can't imagine that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Or or even even the idea that Jillian was kind of, uh, you know, it, it, semi-love interest for Kirk and all that kind of stuff. Like, that that there was that notion where there's a, a much more maternal instinct in relation to the whales, you know, like, all that kind of stuff. You you feel like if it... If it you know, if it was a one for one swap, that'd be kind of funny, right? Like, so, so the, yeah, you are kind of hard pressed to see that. And then, and then it's the same idea of like, Maybe Eddie Murphy thinks he should have made that decision, but you know, maybe we dodged a bullet because we could have gotten you know Richard Pryor and Superman three, you know, like yeah, true, like where it's like it's like then is that always gonna be and 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 that's not to be disparaging, right? It's not like Richard Pryor wasn't funny in that movie, right? Like, but it's just like, but does it does it belong, right? Like then it would it wouldn't have been the whale movie, it would have been the movie with. uh, you know, like, like that's that it wouldn't have been remembered the same way, you know, I feel like, you know, you know? Yeah. so that's that that's one of those things where I'm kind of like, I mean, it, that is one of those interesting little, you know, factoids that the kind of development of it. I mean, it's funny because, you know, you get the idea like Shatner wasn't really into the idea of time travel to begin with, you know, and, and it's like, it, in some ways, it makes you think like, oh, well, maybe that's what they thought they were doing with First Contact, like it worked for the voyage home, we're going to. We're going to do the same thing and have a wacky, fun time travel story where they go to renaissance fairs and (laughs) say, you know, you know, double dumbass on you and it's going to be awesome, you know, but
2: kind of like that renaissance fair idea. I read another idea early in production where they were going to go back to like a rainforest like I don't think it was in the Uh, 1980s. I think it was like, you know, you know several hundred years ago you know for us and like like there was some kind of plague or something in Kirk's time and they needed to go back to like a rainforest because you know they were all devastated and stuff and they needed to get some kind of like plant and bring it back to cure it and they eventually decided not to go with that idea because it was too too much of a downer you know we talked about well you mentioned that Two and three are pretty heavy. I think making this one a comedy was like a conscious thing because – Oh, yeah. I mean yeah. two ends on such a down note with Spock dying. Three, David gets murdered and the Enterprise is destroyed. I mean that there, there was some levity in three like when they're stealing the Enterprise. But I mean those are – that's some heavy stuff, and you kind of – you kind of see the remains of that like when when savik says her goodbye yeah she's like yeah. admiral i never got to tell you like you know you know david saved us you know i thought you should know you can kind of see i mean people don't get shattering of critics sometimes you can kind of see the pain on his face in that moment yeah. and that's yeah that's and then the rest of the movie yeah, is I mean, kind they, of like
0: harder from there yeah they they don't they don't abandon that they don't yeah like sweep it under the rug like it, it has its moment but i i think i think it's true though what you say is is um or what you're saying is true is is the the moment savik has that scene with with kirk they've paid their due diligence to the intensity and the the tragedy of of those last two films but after that point then it's like it's like once they once they go through the the time warp, And 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 have the the Sleepy Joes or whatever it is after they come out of it. Right. Like then (laughs) then after that, like then it's like I I, and this is not said disparagingly either. But then after that, it's kind of like full on Keystone Cops, you know, capers, all that kind of shit. Right. Because then then it's like, let's 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 make funny talk and. And kind of you know save the whales and all that shit, right? Like, and it's like okay, you know. I mean, you know, one thing we can get into this if you want. One thing I do blame this movie for, and and uh, it's going to be a forever headache in my mind. Is uh, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's this fucking movie's fault that we have no money in the 23rd century, right? Because I mean, in, I I know I know Gene made the the edict, right? Like especially for the next generation, but like. Beverly Crusher was buying rolls of fucking yeah. shit, like, even in the early episodes. So, to me, I'm like, the t- you, you forget, like, the time frame of this stuff. But, like, Next Gen was just coming out when this movie was premiering. So, like, you're kind of right around that time frame. But, I mean, if you look into the history of Star Trek, you know, there's plenty of references to money. Mm-hmm before this movie but then all of a sudden it's like you know and you know i mean let's be honest it was done as a gag right it's like let me guess no money in the future you know it's kind of like i don't have any money you know like that (laughs) you know like that's like you know and it's like that's kind of funny where it's like he sells his glasses and then they offer him like a hundred bucks for him he's like is that a lot like is that a lot of money and i'm sitting there going i wonder how he divvied that between all of them and you know what's funny is i went and looked at the dc comics adaptation of this and in the comics adaptation he gets two hundred dollars and i don't know why but two hundred dollars seems more realistic yeah not not that he got two hundred dollars for the glasses but divvying up two hundred dollars among the whole crew seems more (laughs) realistic to me than than divvying up one hundred dollars between like what i mean what i mean what did they did they each get like 10 bucks i mean like (laughs) what the fuck what are they gonna do with 10 bucks i don't know anyway. I mean, you might Uh, as well adjusting adjusting
1: for like inflation. I mean, I guess they could survive in New York City, like or, or San Francisco, like for a day on 10 bucks or whatever, like in 1980 something. But
0: I guess I guess that was something too. I think maybe here, especially when I was growing up, because, you know, I mean. I work in Alameda, where the nuclear vessels are currently, right? Like so, and 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 I grew up in Alameda, you know, or whatever, right? Like I, you know, and um, I, I've mentioned this before, but you know, Starfleet headquarters being in San Francisco, and and this movie taking place in San Francisco, there was probably a and this i can't really back up other than my memories right like there's no i I can't go to box office mojo and and give you evidence for this but there there was a sense of local pride i think about that and I, i i think that may or may not have contributed to multiple theatrical viewings of this film and and this isn't this isn't one of those things where like you know it's the end of black panther and they're in the middle of georgia and they say it's oakland like this is like they actually were on location and they shot in San Francisco. So if, you're, if you know the area, like a lot of those landmarks and everything, I mean, most obviously the Golden Gate Bridge. But even when they're on Kearney Street, when they first drop off and everything, I mean, that's, you know, that's like around Market and, you know, a bunch of streets. Like if you, you, you can take the BART there and get to where they are. Fairly easily, if you wanted to, you know, ha- if you want to reenact Double Dumbass on you, I can take you to reenact Double Dumbass <laughs> on you. I'm just saying, you know, like that's that's pretty easy. But yeah, that's that that's one of those things about this film that uh, that that I think is, uh, you know, it, it, it's a localized thing. But I think I think it's kind of interesting, at least from my perspective, right?
2: Derek, do you have any thoughts on the score for this film because it's pretty different than the three previous films it's more it it is i don't i
0: don't don't think it's a score i typically listen to yeah uh I i i don't think i compared to the other scores it's a lot lighter uh I'm not going to say it's a bad score, but it's just I I don't know that I I mean, I I think that was my first thought when plugging this in for the first time, because it's been it's been a number of years since I've seen Star Trek four. And I think when I was listening to the you know, I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, I forgot like this. This kind of has like a different score, right? Like it's just it's it's its own little little entity and stuff. And it's like, "Eh." I mean, I, I guess all, all I'm going to say about that is it's it's noticeable. It's not you know it's not it's not like you forget about it or anything like you do with a lot of modern movies. But I don't think it was something that I. In other words, I you know when I was hunting down like CDs to listen to movie scores and stuff, it was like I wanted I wanted the James Horner scores. You know I wanted the Jerry Goldsmith scores like. I probably gave two fucks about this score. You know what I mean? Like, so just to be perfectly honest, like, like, I don't, I don't, I don't think this ever stood out to me and it wasn't anything I ever wanted to revisit.
2: Yeah. I kind of feel the same way. I I don't think it's bad, but I mean, I've got the first 10 uh, scores on CD and this is probably the one I listened to the least. I mean, there's some good stuff on it. Like the, you know, the hospital chase is
0: whimsical and stuff, but I kind of, do you just listen to the punk song? <laughs> oh, I hate you. <laughs> oh, I pay right you. Is you. You just listen to that on loop, right? Yeah, that would be great. Uh,
2: but yeah, I mean, it's it's OK. I think it suits the movie really well. I, I will say, like, you know, it's performed by Leonard Rosenman. And he, the score of his I like the best, if he did the music for Beneath the Planet of the Apes, you know, the, you know, reveal yeah. I almost did myself and do my godly
0: i mean wow there's like squeaky whale noises and and probe shit log <laughs> noises in this and there's like squeaky ass fucking mutated face uh human beings singing creepy ass songs i mean you know who knows maybe maybe those dudes could uh sing to the probe too and they'd speak the same language you know i was like fucking 35 years the only thing that would be any different on that bus scene is it just be rap music but that that other than that like it'd be exactly the same as it is today i don't know if anybody would be clapping after spock did the the vulcan nerve pinch but do you think you
2: know. he'd get canceled for that
0: he might he might
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> what did you do to that man call the police yeah maybe well, he's what? singing to that man
0: <laughs> 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 those those old ladies. Let's like that's, that's see. That's that's what you know. You know you know why you know why some of that stuff works is because it, I think because it's honest. Like because because it's like pure. Like I don't I don't know. Like like some you know like it, maybe it's me, but like some of that you know Dina is drunk shit. Like is kind of like forced. You know, it's like I want to do something different, and it's like those little old ladies weren't trying to like stretch their acting muscles or yeah. anything. They were just they were just fucking funny, you know. Like <laughs> it was just like you know, it was like, I, and I think, I, you know, I, I I think the original series crew they probably joked with among themselves even in all those intense movies, and this was just an opportunity for them to do that on screen. So I think there's something. Also, th- there's something genuine about that as well.
1: Oh, uh, I was just going to say that, like, I don't know. Like, I guess I've had a negative view of this film, like, for years and years and years, just because, you know, people, uh, I think maybe a lot of people do, like, where they, you know, derisively say, like, oh, it's the one with the whales, isn't it? Like, and I mean, yeah, the whales plot is a little like, uh, uh, on the nose, I guess, like of its time, like maybe you know, I mean, I, that's obviously what was big in the news, like at the time. But um, I, I don't know. I like, I, like I said, maybe it's just because I watched it for the first time, like you know, all the. Way- through like uh this week like i found it really charming and like enjoyable and like like derek said i think all the jokes and stuff like most of them all still work and like a like i can see you know this was a crowd pleaser and i i think um like you always hear um like stories of like you know tension between like you know members of the original star trek cast or maybe you know more like all of them towards like william shatner and stuff but like seeing them like uh, in this movie like and you know seeing those bloopers that derek like posted earlier and like I, it seems like they all like you know it, th- there's no hint of that i feel like i feel like they all seem to be having a good time on this set and like they i think this this it shows in the final product that this is a this is a good fun like you know quality movie and like i, I was surprised at like how much i enjoyed it like after having haven't haven't Having seen any of it in like years and years and years.
0: March fifth, eighteen sixty-one, sunrise, Wyoming. We'll Star Trek four this bitch. I only watched Deep Space
1: Nine? It's like I don't even know you guys anymore. Star Trek
0: four, save the whales. Yeah, I had a good time rewatching this. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I think I felt the same way. I wasn't sure, like, exactly if I was going to. Feel like you know super warm towards it, or if I would reexamine it or something like that. But I mean, you know, it, it's kind of it's kind of what I remember. You know, like again, like you know, I'm I I am the I think I am at any rate. You know, the hardcore trekkie trekker, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like you know that they talk about in these interviews where they're like, you know, oh, but you know, to some people I'm probably not because you know I don't I don't care about all the technical starship stuff so maybe maybe i'm not but but i i tend to think like i'm i'm a pretty sincere fan or whatever right and it's like i enjoy this but i mean i definitely think like it's one of those things where it's like it's like would i would i rather watch star trek four than some inane romantic comedy yes but would i rather watch star trek two than star trek four yes you know like like that's that you know whatever like i mean that's that's you know, that's just personal preference, I guess, or whatever, you know, like, and and, and I had a good time, you know, uh, revisiting this and everything. So I mean, that that's not a a problem or anything. I, I, I was trying to look into like, I don't know, nuances and details like, like, I, I don't know that any footage of this actually exists, because I couldn't find any. And maybe Justin knows. But uh, the, again, the, you know, aside from Kirk getting two hundred bucks instead of a hundred bucks for his his uh, his antique glasses or whatever. One of the main differences in the the DC Comics adaptation, the comic adaptation of this, is that Christine Chapel is a commander and she's the one who brings in Sarek at the beginning of those opening statements or whatever. You know when there's like there will be no peace while Kirk lives, you know, like all that shit, like like Christine Chapel's there. If you pay really close attention, you will see her in the background. She's kind of like a glorified extra, I guess. Uh, as far as I know, you know, like there, I, I didn't see any, you know, actual, you know, deleted scenes or anything like that. But supposedly she's supposed to be, you know, talking to Sarek before he he makes his appearance on the the, the council floor or whatever.
2: I don't think there's any footage of that, or, or at least I've not seen any. I don't think there's any footage either of like Sulu meeting his great-great-grandfather. I, I think they just jumped uh, all of that, okay. and that was okay. deemed unusual to do to, to the kid.
0: I guess for a film that's like super light, and this this might not have any impact on you guys, or it might. I don't know. You you guys might remember this, maybe. I don't know. But I, I found it interesting. The thing I most forgot was they had the dedication to the you know, the, the crew of the Challenger, you know, before the film started. And and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that that was in this, you know, like and, and so I was it made me think about that because, you know, it's like, I guess I guess it's one of those. I mean, for, for people that lived it, it's like, you know, the people that lived through. Uh, you know, hearing JFK getting shot, you know, they remember exactly where they were, you know, or or w- where you were when you found out the World Trade Center came down or whatever, like all those things like it's like I remember when when the challenger w- went down, you know, it was like that was th- that was like one of those things where I, I think like it was like one of those weird things where, you know, people were watching it in school. You know what I mean? And not watching it because they knew that would happen. They were just watching it because it was like, oh, we're going to show the kids this, you know, this space launch. And it's going to be like educational and, and it's going to be fun for the kids and they'll be into it and all that other stuff. And then it turns out, you know, it goes horribly wrong. Right. So like you, you like anybody who was in school at the time probably saw it. You know what I mean? And and much less anybody that was around. So like that was one of those things where I I I guess kind of like what Mike is saying with the humpback whales being a so, something that was in the popular consciousness at the time. I, I think that was also the challenger was also something that was very similar, I think. So and it was something I had sort of forgotten, I think, almost.
2: I'm going to assume the answer is no. But Derek, did you ever read the novel Probe?
0: Uh, I don't think so.
2: Okay. It, it kind of goes into the origin of the probe uh, a okay. little bit
0: what, is it, what does it have to say about the probe
2: um there's a, it's been a while since I read it there's a whole bunch of nonsense with like the Romulans there's some kind of there's like a peace conference and some kind of like joint archaeological dig and the Romulans refuse to acknowledge the probe exists and then when the probe cuts through Romulan territory they're like oh, this is real and it's a Federation weapon or something. But anyway, they – I'm trying to think. I want to say it's implied that the board tried to assimilate the probe and damaged it. And that's why, like, whenever it sends out its wave, it disables starships. It's not supposed to disable starships. And then I think Spock ends up actually, like, communicating directly with the probe and he's like – Hey you guys like you're messing up our stuff when you're doing this. And the pro the probe's like, Sorry, you guys, like you know, these robot guys messed us up. We'll go away now. And then they kinda like turn and go somewhere else.
0: Does that does that is that concurrent with this movie, the novel, or is it is it take place after the movie or
2: I think it takes place after Star Trek five. Okay. I could okay. be wrong, but I, like I said, it's been a while since I read it. But I remember, I remember when that book came out; it was a big deal because, you know, it's like, oh, we're gonna get some answers about the probe, like the probe. what it is, where it came from.
0: Nice. I always, I, I, I always wondered about that stuff. Like Peter David should write something where all the shit logs like hang out <laughs> together and have a <laughs> have a powwow. You know, it's like, you know,
1: that was really the probe. only thing I, I I'm still like confused on. I was like, what. What was the probe exactly like? I don't, I don't like, I don't know if they really lay that out specifically enough. There I was mean, a
2: lot of like discussion at the studio of like they wanted Nimoy to put subtitles like at the end, like when the probe's talking to the whales, and Nimoy was just like, "Oh, well, that's not needed. You can just figure out." It's like if we put in like, "Who are you? Where did you go?" Like it would just, it would, it would lose something. I think they, I think Nimoy wanted it to be more mysterious and for the audience to like make up their own answer i guess sometimes that works sometimes it doesn't work i guess
0: so sometimes i wonder i mean maybe this is me being older and more cynical and you can you can tell me what you think about this but like sometimes i wonder like okay so they 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 got george and gracie from the past right and they put them in the present and then they have this conversation with the probe like what if george and gracie were like man these people are fucks they tried to hunt us and everything and then they took us back in time and then you know nobody else is here but us and then we're gonna have to make i'm pregnant but who's my kid gonna fuck like we're screwed you know and then the probe's like i hate the humanity and kills them all you know like like i mean i don't know like like there there was there was that aspect where i was like i i know you're not supposed to think about it too much right but like there's there's that aspect where i'm kind of like hmm like would they have had like a warm and glowing conversation? And it's like, well, maybe, you know, I mean, I know, I know the whales liked Jillian. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I get that. Right. But then, then there's some aspect to it where you're like, Oh, I wonder if, if you know, there, you know, I guess you can't, you can't know the minds of whales. Right. But, but you know, there, there, there could have been an aspect where the whales were resentful too. Right. And then if that gets communicated to something as powerful and, and, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, world destructive as the probe. You know, like, like, who knows? You know, you know, like, basically, I, I could see somebody doing a, a deconstruction of this plot and going all Alan Moore with it, where they go through all the trouble to get the whales back, and then the whales are like, these guys are fucks, you know, <laughs> and then, and then the, the probe like, fucking blows up the planet anyway or whatever, you know.
2: Well, when Spock does his mind melt, he's like, they'll help us and they don't like what's happening to their species. So, like, Mm -hmm. there was some communication there. Like, if George had said, like, no way, like, we want you guys to die, I guess they would have went and got some other whales somewhere. (laughs) I don't know. Right, right, right. Derek, they are not the hell your whales.
0: They they are not the hell my whales. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you're getting it right, you know, like you don't quite have the knack of it. You know, it's like, I, I only gave you $10 Spock. <laughs> it's like, what, uh, what, what, do you think? I mean, like, I guess in terms of uh, do, do you guys just accept the, the time travel principle of this story? Like you just kind of accept that it's a way to get them, you know, to, to have this kind of, uh, amusing banter and, and, and obstacles and fun, not, not, not dwell on it too much. Like, like, I guess, what's your take on it? Like, if Shatner is 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 not always a proponent of time travel stories, but but Nimoy immediately said, "Well, for this one, I want to do a time travel story." Like, on a, on a broader scale, like, are there, is it just on a case by case basis, or there, time travel stories you like and time travel stories you hate? Is time travel usually a headache for you, but it's not because this is a humorous and heart filled type of movie like like i guess just in a broader sense like what how how do you feel about time travel as a story trope i guess and and maybe how it relates to star trek
2: i kind of take it on a case-by-case basis like like i i really enjoy this but the voyager side of the coin like uh what's it called future's end where they go Mm -hmm. back to like 1996 or whatever and they're hanging out with sarah silverman like I know Tony kind of likes that two-parter, but I've never really cared for it. So, I guess there's that. And then, you know, when they were making this movie and Leonard Nimoy was like, yo, we're doing time travel, Gene was all over it because Gene was still pushing that idea of, like, Oh, yeah, yeah. A Spock has to knoll. assassinate Kennedy and all that. So, I, like, I'm like, i so glad they never made that. But.
0: <laughs> Fucking Gene. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, right? Because there's, there, you know, the, the, the Voyager thing comes dangerously close to, like, cost-cutting time travel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, where you're like, oh, well, it's like, we're going to go back to the past in L.A. in 1996. And it's just like, how convenient. It's 1996, and you all shoot in... LA, you know, like, like, you know, it's like my, that's mighty convenient, you know, or whatever. But like, at least with this, I mean, you know, some of that is eliminated, right? Like they had a story before they, they had the, 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 you know, I I don't even think there was any aspect of cost cutting in this. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, it was like they had this shoot on location. They, they did shoot on location, you know, like there, you know, you know what I found amusing though, was like, I was looking at all these old entertainment, um, tonight interviews and, and, and film reviews, like talk about the popular, uh, consensus or whatever, like Siskel and Ebert both liked this film. They both gave it a thumbs up. Right. Um, and and like on the Entertainment Tonight stuff, it's like they had this whole segment about essentially the end of the movie. And, and I, I I don't know what it is, but it's like I, I find that kind of amusing, like because it's like I think back then it wasn't as big of a deal. But like I feel like now it's like, you know, people are trying to keep that stuff secret, even though they can't, you know, like so I, I don't know. It just it, it just amused me that, that like there was a whole segment on entertainment tonight about the building of the Klingon bird of prey head and the, 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 you know, pool that they made to put it in and, you know, they just they had a bunch of interviews with like the cast going, Oh, those rain pellets were super cold, you know, and all this other stuff. And then yeah, of course they try to pump them for other information when they're like, what's what's coming with Star Trek 5 you know? And Michelle Nichols is laughing, like, let's get through this one first, you know, or whatever. It's like, you know, and I, you know, I don't know that they had uh, NDAs back then, but I mean, you know, people are notoriously tight lipped. I mean, I think they knew when, when when they were promoting this film they knew there was going to be a star trek five and they knew shatner was directing it and that might have been all they were willing to say about it at the time but i i just i i found that kind of stuff kind of fascinating i think just just that that you know the the kind of you know promotional aspect of it and then you know i, I don't know it's funny i was listening to like interviews like the the, the I, I i guess i was going to make the joke like you know the, the Star Trek characters uh, don't die. They just go to Seventh Heaven or whatever, you know, like that <laughs> thing or whatever. But yeah. like, you know, Jill, Jillian goes on to be the mom in Seventh Heaven and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, she was in a bunch of other things before this and after this. But, you know, I guess I, to me, that's that's the the next biggest thing, you know, the, the most uh, longest running series I can remember her being on, you know. So it's like that. I, I was watching an interview with her and, you know, she was talking about how she. She liked the role, you know, and I I think they were trying to spin it as like, I forget, like that she was a strong woman or something. And and, and she kind of went, well, I don't know that I'd say she was a strong woman, but she said, I thought she was very intelligent and she was well written. And there aren't typically a lot of roles for for women that are written as intelligently and blah, 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 like that. That kind of, you know, and that was her, you know, that, that was her attraction to the role. Right. But then it's like there's no. You know, I mean, outside of I'm I'm sure you'll be able to tell me this and I'm I'm sure I have vague recollections of like she 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 showed up in like some of the the DC comics and she showed up in some of the, the 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 novels and things like that afterwards, I think. But there was never any revisitation of her character in in the films.
2: Right. It was just the two that come to mind are Dead of Honor and she was in that probe novel a little bit those are the, i i don't know if she was in any other novels maybe maybe there's like a short story anthology she might have been in or something I can't mm, remember okay okay I have a question for you Derek okay how do you feel
0: i feel fine <laughs> uh, you know that that, that i mean and, and again that i mean that that is a quick and easy way for them to deal with his recovery I mean if you want to get technical about it you know they have all those different quizzes and questionnaires and they're coming at him like lightning fast like the only thing about this that is kind of dated is like i, I feel like those vulcan computer screens are like fucking war games or it's like shall we play a game mr spock you know and you're just kind of like oh okay if it was today it'd be like all this fucking uh, holographic fucking horse shit and and you know minority report you know tony stark Hollow, whatever but in this it's like this like shitty ass font that looks like it belongs on a fucking you know ibm or something where it's like shall we play a game you know like but uh, i mean whatever i mean you know it's it is what it is
2: if you listen to some of the dialogue during the starfleet command sequence like they mentioned leningrad which once the soviet union fell leningrad was renamed so it wouldn't be it wouldn't yeah. be around in you know 23rd
0: yeah, century yeah. Or whatever yeah yeah but that's okay you know you know those those things that don't exist anymore that we we had no idea about cuz we're doing a movie about the future and then we're time traveling and stuff but yeah i mean I, I think everybody's really great in this i mean you know the, the, you know the 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 you know shatter's expressions you know like the the you know Scotty and and McCoy selling the transparent aluminum to the one guy i mean all all that stuff you know and i i think i think also you know one of the things that that is unsung right about this film is like you know everybody gets gets uh, uh a task and a moment you know to to facilitate the the climax and the end goal i mean yeah they they you know they they do the the hero thing right like kirk has to go in and, and free the latch so the whales don't die at the end and he gets to have his big solo heroic moment right and that conceivably could be a moment where he's like you know if i was gonna die i knew i'd do it alone so i was with george and gracie so i knew i wasn't gonna die um but you know like that that kind of thing like where it's like you know they 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 hate, they give people their their moments to shine and everything but like you know sulu gets to ride the huey and and drop off the the aluminum and stuff like that and then you know the you know mccoy gets to go in and save check off and you know like so i i don't know like like that that kind of thing it it does have that you know everybody's accounted for it's not like they left somebody out or somebody was like forgotten about or some crap where, you know, they just sat there twiddling their thumbs and didn't do anything. Like all, all the members of the crew had a, had a good opportunity to to shine and have moments, whether it's, you know, whether they're humorous moments or, or, you know, uh, contributory moments to facilitating their mission, you know, like stuff like that. So like, that's, that that's one of those things where I feel like, you know, like, I, I feel like I've come to expect that. Like, that should be the standard. But it isn't always the standard. Like, that, I think that's why I complain about shit and call, like, the next-gen movies, like, the Data and Picard show. Because you get... I mean, especially when they went out of their way to sell you on the fact that, like, oh, gee whiz, the old series was always about Kirk and Spock and McCoy, and nobody got to do anything. But meanwhile, like, you've got this movie here where everybody plays a part everybody gets to do something you know what i mean like so i'm um, and and it makes it even more egregious when the people telling you that uh, the old old movies and the old uh series used to be so uh bad at, at facilitating that ensemble nature of star trek but then once they start releasing feature films like all that shit goes out the window because they want to keep uh spiner and uh stewart interested in uh i don't know snapping Borgnecks necks or whatever the fuck they were interested in you know so it's like but here it's like i mean clearly the same principles applied right like like you couldn't make a star trek movie back then without running this shit past william shatner but i mean even he says you know he says i wasn't too keen on the idea of time traveling but he says harv and leonard had more clout than me and i was overruled and and then he makes the crack about it where he says and it turns out they were right because this you know for the time for a time was the highest grossing star trek film there ever fucking was you know and 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 he makes that little you know self-deprecating crack where you know he's kind of like hey you know they and they were right you know so it's like okay you know but but um you know i don't know i don't uh, you know i'm just talking talking about the movie now i'm just kind of all over the place i mean this is not clearly this is not scripted i'm just kind of blithering away
1: i really like the ending like especially like the bit where they first they like you know they revealed a new enterprise and you know kirk you got that and uh, the you know the whole bridge crew and uh he says you know my friends we've come home
0: I, I, I feel bad because it's like that. That's a good moment, and in the in the interior of the Enterprise A in this film looks really cool. Um, and then and then you you contrast it with like basically what they tell you happened. Like two minutes after that scene was like, I said, let's see what she's got, and we saw, and it wasn't very much, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just kind of like, oh man, because that's all I can think of now when I when I see that end scene because it's like it looks super cool, but then you know, like it just fucking. The ship just conked out like a fucking lemon or whatever, and then I was like, "What?"
2: I always liked how when they were reading off the charges at the end of the movie, they mentioned sabotage the USS Excelsior, and Scotty like makes it look. He's like, "Oh, that was me." <laughs> <laughs> um, you,
0: you, this is probably one of those things that's like too fucking nitpicky, but I, I feel like, like you know, it's like one of those things where it's like. If you were in a century where you talk to a computer to get things done and you, I mean, I assume they use keyboards because there's like data pads and, 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 you know, the little, you know, data doing life forms and punching on the screen and all that other stuff. So I imagine like there's still a. I don't know, uh, for lack of a better term, there's a command line class at Starfleet or whatever. So, like, I guess you could argue like Scotty's an engineer. He knows his shit backwards and forwards. Like, and he could even use antiquated command line. But like, think of it this way: like you've gone to school, like you've learned all about math. Like, presumably, you know, if you're not if you're not an engineer, right, you're not going to be doing like algebra or calculus or, you know, geometry or whatever, all this other stuff, right? But like presumably you know basic math and but just because you know basic math like say like you get sent back to the time of fucking rama tut to hang out with kang the conqueror <laughs> or whatever and he's got his fucking abacus it's not like you're gonna sit there going hello computer and then all of a sudden it's like oh this isn't one of the talky ones and then you start like doing the abacus like you're fucking uh, the flash and shit <laughs> it's like <laughs> and then blow everybody away you know like like i don't know I, I know that's the whole point of the scene, but it's me thinking about it too much again, you know, because to me, I'm thinking like, well, shit, like, you know, some some command line language, it's like if, if you don't use it in like 10 years or five years or whatever, like you, you like that's the kind of thing. It's like. uh Uh, One of my acting professors always used to say it's like basketball, you know, like 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 whatever your muscle is, your acting muscle, your basketball muscle, your your and for lack of a better term, your command line muscle. I mean, presumably, I guess Scotty goes into the fucking holodeck or whatever and and pretends to do command line all the time because it's like he's. He's like super proficient, like when when that comes up, like or or you know he 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 switches at the drop of a dime, and you know it's supposed to be like okay, well because he's from the future and he's awesome. But I'm like, just because you're from the future doesn't mean, you know, it's it's kind of like Sulu where he's like, oh yeah, I've flown quite a few things, you know, and it's like, oh, but he's gonna fly a Huey too. Like it's like okay, well you know he's a pilot, so presumably like it's no big whoop. But part part of me is kind of like, okay, well. I may be, like, the greatest fucking, uh, I don't know, speedboat racer there is in the 23rd century, but then if I go back and try to, like, you know, sail a ship or some shit, it's like, well, uh, you know, you might have some some uh, learning pains or something. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. Do you ever think it's weird that, um, like, like, do you ever watch these films, Justin, in the context of, like, the 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 dc comics and kind of think to yourself it's weird that like spock like went and joined the fucking wasn't he like commander of the fucking um what was that ship sorry the Sarek the and then and then and then did his whole routine and then and then and then when they realized like you know three and four were gonna be like right after one another they had to like get rid of like kirk couldn't be in command of the excelsior and 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 Spock had to like go back to being, uh, you know, <laughs> a, a Maxie Zundweeby, or whatever, you know what I mean. Like, like they had to like reset everything in those comics, and like, you know, put it, put it all, all the toys back into the chest the way they found them, or something. Even though they were they were off having all these other crazy adventures supposedly in between, uh, uh, you know, two and three, and three and four. Spock, you're a Neo Maxie Dweeby.
2: Yeah, I remember discovering those, and I was like, "Wait, what are they doing on the Excelsior? Like this, this never happened. Like this can't happen. <laughs> you just keep, you just gonna kind of have to like go along with it. You're like, oh, okay, and then oh, and here's the part where they had to like realign things to right, right, go with the movie but, Is that I mean, is
1: it's, that is that Sulu's like fanfic universe where they go on the Excelsior? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: that would be funny. Why would you want that bucket to bolts?
0: I mean, it's Sulu's fanfic is what Star Trek issue number 20. Like, that's his cool solo story where he he uh, pulls a nightcrawler and swords fight and saves the girl and all kinds of cool shit. Yeah, that that um, that movie adaption is technically I'll, I'll just say it because we're talking about it. But it's it's it, it's definitely one of my spinner rack comics like that was, you know, that's that's kind of, you know, talking about, you know, how early this film is in terms of my, I guess. Newsstand comic type collecting, you know what I mean? Like this, this is right in that that beginning of that kind of stuff, and it was something that obviously was, you know, I was super familiar with it. So it was like I I either picked up Star Trek comics uh, off the newsstands, or like I said, some of them I ended up getting in, you know, trades and things like that. But you know, since I since I knew the property in the franchise, it was you know just like you know i recognize say Iceman or spider-man because of spider-man and his amazing friends you know i i recognize you know star trek comics because you know i had either seen it on tv or or watched these films and everything or uh, a lot of times like the way you would revisit movies too was like they'd have like these little you know photo picture books or like the uh the read-along books with the tapes and stuff you know you know you will know it is time to turn the page when r 2 beeps like this like all that kind of stuff and it's like i i know they had like read-along books for for star trek four and three and two and stuff like that so i'm pretty sure i probably had some of those and
1: this is the story of star trek four the voyage home you can read along with me in your book you will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the communicator beep like this. Let's begin now.
0: You know, I'm, I'm trying to think of like the the ancillary stuff at the time. I mean, it was weird because I, I you would think as much as I was into it, like I would have run into like it's funny. I remember running into the, the I had a Mr. Spock figure from the motion picture line, um, but I never ran into those those G.I. Joe type figures from. Star Trek Three. And by this point I don't think there were any any real toys to speak of. So do you guys have any any wrap up thoughts or anything like for for Star Trek Four? Like in terms of what you thought of it or or anything else you want to say before we sort of sign off on on Star Trek Four?
1: I'm 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 glad we I'm glad I rewatched it this week. Like I like I said, I, I don't know if I had a positive feeling towards it before now and now that I you know watched it properly like I I, I kind of appreciated it a lot more
2: it's always been one of my favorites and it's it's been several years since I watched it and I definitely had fun revisiting it for this podcast
0: yeah i agree with both of you guys i mean i i feel like i i uh, alleviated any reservations i had in terms of revisiting it and i was i was pleasantly happy to to revisit it again so if you guys have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can email us at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the backlog of episodes, this is a proper Fanholes Podcast episode. The proper episodes can be found over on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com where you can direct download all the episodes there. We can be found on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We appreciate all the hearts, likes, shares, and retweets that we receive. And we can be found on Apple Podcasts. We can be streamed on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. So until the next time, this is Derek, Derek WC, signing off.
1: Hey, it's, it's Mike, and I'm tripping out on LDS.
2: And this is Justin. Remember this well. There should be no peace as long as crab lives.
0: want to get demoted to uh captain you know
2: i've never even met admiral crab <laughs> <laughs> admiral,
0: admiral.
1: this uh. is like the opposite of first contact like i watched first contact last week and i came up Man, i was like man that wasn't as good as i remembered it but this was yeah, yeah i watched and i was like that was a lot better than i remembered
2: the uh the original commentary is shatner and nimoy and it's it's a lot of fun they like they tell some good stories and they have a lot they have a good back and forth but then there's like a there's a re-release where they replaced that commentary with kurtzman and orsi and it just oh, yeah, baffles yeah, yeah, me yeah, yeah i'm like why like these guys had nothing to do with the movie
0: like who cares it, it, it's weird i think when they were because it's like a lot of these blu-rays that i have now it's like they they open with The trailer for the the first abrams film so i think they were like heavily yeah i I think with all that heavy promotion for that film when they were re-releasing all the old shit they were like let's just get these guys to do a commentary they're filmmakers you know it's just like okay like i i it's interesting because i always find that needed (laughs) yeah yeah exactly exactly are you sure it isn't time for
2: a colorful metaphor